and welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Zeke. And this week we are going to be discussing episode 9 entitled Home. And in this episode, Sam and Dean take a job that leads them back to Lawrence, Kansas. And it actually gets started out in a way that is going to carry forward through the rest of this season and into next season. And that is by Sam having another one of his dreams. He sees a woman in the upstairs bedroom of the childhood home which he himself doesn't remember because he was only a baby whenever it happened, but he knows inexplicably that it is his childhood home. Anything that you guys want to touch on before we get into our usual stuff? I'm just going to say, this episode had a real poltergeist vibe. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Starting with the chairs moving. Oh, yeah. And with Missouri declaring this house is clean. Yes. And, I mean, they're just, they kept hitting those notes of poltergeist throughout this episode. Z, any lore or anything behind this that you want to share with us? This particular episode had two creatures, which was the, the poltergeist, mm -hmm. the malevolent spirit, and then Mama Winchester, who was, uh, we don't find out that's who she is until the end of the episode. Right. But I suspect it from the beginning. Yes. Yeah, well, Because yeah. of the fire. The fire. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Also, it's their own. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you could classify that as both a poltergeist and an angry angry spirit, which we see a lot of. And I think Mother Winchester was just a regular spirit. So there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff that developed in this episode. We do see a lot of our usual hallmarks of flickering lights. And I, I think that the scratching sounds, because Dean specifically asked, well, do you see the rats or do you just hear the rats? And then, of course, we've got the backed up sink, which leads to one of the most, oh, God, I hate. I, I call them incinerators because that's like the brand, but I know everybody else calls them the garbage disposal or food disposal or whatever. But I have had a fear of those damn things mm -hmm. since I was a kid, and I don't remember what movie it was that started that fear. But, oh, my God, anytime I see one of those things, I just freak out. I mean, even to the point where at my own home, there can't be anybody else in the kitchen while I'm, like, messing with that thing because I don't want somebody accidentally flipping the switch, mm -hmm. even though it's in the far corner from the scene. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Well, and with that particular scene, I really appreciated. They took such great care to show him unplugging it. Right. And they made a point of him unplugging it and then a point of him flicking the switch several times yes so that you it. knew that thing was not powered yeah yeah which then of course made it that much creepier right yeah. and, and it'd been so long since i'd seen it you know i'm sitting there thinking okay maybe they're just maybe they're just building up all of this tension and they really built up the tension i mean it was just like mm -hmm. you were just expecting it and then you start maybe almost thinking oh, okay they're not going to do it and then just gore everywhere I have a fear of both closets mm -hmm. and sticking my hand in a garbage disposal. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I don't like closets. I just don't. But, like, I dropped a glass when I was doing dishes one time into the sink. Oh. Um, and I reached in to pick the stuff out, and I just, like, I, I scratched up my fingers. It wasn't the disposal. It was the glass. But right. I just, I don't do, I don't do sinks. I don't do closets. And I was just really waiting on this episode to have clowns to hit all of my, like, <laughs> hell no's. Yeah. Well, and, and where closets are concerned, I mean, with the little girl, whenever they put the chair in front of it and everything, and, and I'm like, okay, cool, I can understand that. And then it starts sliding, and I'm, I'm like, 
Okay, that is the point where I would have started screaming, but no, the little girl waits until, like, the fire monster is coming out of the closet before she starts screaming. I, I made a little note, because I thought it was really funny, because she sits up and, like, stares at it while it's happening, and I'm just like, there have been times where, like, something has fallen off a shelf or whatever in my room, and I just pull the covers over my head tighter, <laughs> like, like, nope, that's not happening, and I was like, what kid looks up and goes, huh, I wonder what's gonna attack me? Well, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, there were several, uh, poltergeists. Right. Um, and I, I think the shot when mom is checking the closet for the girl, I'm pretty sure that is shot for shot from Poltergeist. And when she set up staring into the closet was right. very much like Carol Ann. Right. Mm-hmm. So this, this is also the first episode. We've heard, we've heard mention of Poltergeist, but this is the first episode we've had of Poltergeist. And I, I, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but mm-hmm. I did see quite a few nods, like you were saying, to the original movie. And I was just, I was really enjoying it. One of the things that I really enjoy about this episode is Missouri Mosley. And Missouri is one of my favorite characters in the Supernatural universe. Mm -hmm. And she's just so amazing. And the actress does it so well. And I just, I love everything about her. I think it's funny, too, with how she keeps Dean in check. <laughs> and she she doesn't take any back talk from him, even whenever he's just thinking it. Because, mm-hmm. like, whenever, you know, she says, well, Dean's going to clean up this mess. And then tells him, you know, get the mop and everything. And, <laughs> and then she's like, don't you cuss at me. <laughs> so I just, I think that she is amazing. And... I, I know we try not to spoil anything for future episodes. I will just say that I wish they had continued with her as a character mm-hmm. for, like, they could have done years. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely think that she is a very powerful ally, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, on the other hand, I, I think that maybe that may be part of why they didn't keep her, is because she is so powerful. She does know so much of what's going on. Even whenever she She's pretending like she doesn't. Well, really one, know. one thing I love about her is almost the first thing she said when she came on screen was, I sometimes I lie mm-hmm. to keep them happy. Yeah. This was followed almost immediately by her lying. Yes. I mean, so she basically said, I will lie to you. I don't know where your <laughs> <Right>. dad is. <laughs> yeah. Anything else that stood out to you guys, either, like, from the horror movie theme? I will say, and I can't remember if this was in Poltergeist, but that damn monkey with the symbols. Mm. Shoot the fucking monkey. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. There's a movie that I just, I I think it was a Stephen King movie. Mm -hmm. The one with the little frickin' troll. I think that was the one that had the, the toy monkey with the symbols that... Oh my god, that thing just freaks me out. I really thought it was interesting how before the monkey is in the scene where the guy's digging into the disposal, you know, he's under the sink, he's messing around with it, and the thing claps or whatever and goes off. And it's a little creepy, but it's also kind of like, it's just a toy, like, it's probably motion censored, like, you know, whatever. Right. And then he sticks his hand in the disposal, he takes it out, it's really suspenseful, he sticks it back in. And his arm gets all shredded up. And then the way that the monkey goes off, like there's just something, just a hair different that made it seem like it was laughing at him. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, like it gave me chills just because there was was so weird, the differences in in the scene. One other thing about that monkey is I love the game series Fallout. Mm -hmm. And in the, the most recent one, Fallout 4, there is a monkey with a symbol that will come to life when you're around and it will totally blow yourself. So yeah, I just shoot them. 
<laughs> on reflex. So. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's probably the best way to handle monkeys with symbols. <laughs> the only real problem I had with this episode is that was a woman at home alone with two young kids and two guys, two strange guys came to her door. Yes. And let's be honest, they're big guys. Okay? Yes. Jensen Ackles is six foot six one, Jared Padalecki six four. Yeah. They're big guys. They would not be coming in my house. I don't care how good looking they are. They're not coming in my house because Yeah. Because I, I'm not dumb. Right. And and I had an issue with that too. And I think that maybe that was why they had her find the box with the photographs and everything, is so that she would recognize oh mm-hmm. hey yes the winchesters they yeah. really did live here and everything but still that was i mean that's almost too convenient i mean it was still yeah i i'm i'm 100 on board with you i mean as a guy if somebody like that comes up oh hey i used to live here be like oh, okay that's nice bye right on the so, other hand for the sake of narrative flow and yeah. a one-hour show right we kind of had to yeah now i will say one of the issues that i had with it is that Missouri says, okay, we're going to take these bags and we're going to put them in all of the corners of the house and we're going to do all this and blah, 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 blah. They place three bags mm-hmm. and yeah. were led to believe that it expelled the poltergeist. So the reason that it didn't expel the poltergeist is because they didn't do what she said, which was to place the hex bags in all four, you know, cardinal directions in the rooms and everything. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that kind of harkens back to episode eight with Bugs, where it was like the shortest night in recorded world history. <laughs> so I think sometimes they just, they, they set up these grandiose plans and then they just kind of fudge on them a little bit. I kind of assumed that for narrative purposes, that they had already placed almost all the other bags. Cause she was like, we're going to have to do it pretty quickly or it'll know that what we're doing and so I was just kind of like, and, and like you said, they were like, you know, they each would have had to have four bags for all three floors, and that doesn't include if the place has an attic. Right. And so I was just like, maybe, maybe we're supposed to think they've already done all the other bags, and they're on the last three. But, yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I looked up the purposes for the ingredients. When we first see them putting the hex bags together, there's a lot of stuff there. So, you know, there's supposed to be more than three bags. Right. But actually, because she rattles off what some of the ingredients are, and so I looked them up to see what purpose they have in witchcraft, and they are like, you can tell that that was another thing that they did the research on, because the angelica root is supposed to be for purifying things and exorcisms, and van van oil is for, uh, and it's like another cleansing, purifying thing. And so I thought that was that was fun. Some nice stuff they did. Can I just mention the voicemail that Dean leaves to Dad? Oh, yeah. I yeah. was tearing up because I was just like, I just can't. Like, that was so heart-wrenching. Was that the first time Dean teared up? Yeah. I think so. And I think mm-hmm. also it was the first time where we've ever seen Dean actually be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And especially vulnerable to that extent. Mm-hmm. A good analogy would be like a little kid calling out to their parent. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, I mean, it just, it gives that heart-wrenching, you know, I want my mommy, I want my daddy mm-hmm. kind of feel. That makes the end even more terrible with John being a dick, where it's mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, I'm here and I wish I could see them, but I can't until I learn the truth and everything. It's like, dude, these are your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, yeah. ugh. I just... And there were so many good lines that Dean delivered. There's a lot of, when you see heart-wrenching scenes and stuff, there's usually that one line that like, oh, that just gets you. And with Dean on the phone, there were just like so many of those lines that like punched you in the gut that was like, vulnerable, vulnerable. Like, yeah. I was like, oh God. Yeah, exactly. 
thought I had written some of them. Oh, yeah, he said, I, I don't know what to do. And he's talking, you know, there's something in our old house, I don't know what to do. He said something along the lines of, I really need your help right now, or something like mm -hmm. that. So, so yeah, definitely the most vulnerable that we have ever seen. Mm -hmm. At this time, guys, we are going to go ahead and take a break. I would like to ask everyone out there to please visit us on iTunes or Google Play. Give us a rate, a review, and a subscribe. That really helps us out. It helps new people find us. And we would really appreciate it. We'd also really appreciate it if you would tweet about us, tell friends about us, that sort of thing. And if they wanted to do that, Z, when would they do that? They would do that on Twitter. Our handle is at TFB underscore SPN Fancast. And then you can also reach out to us on Instagram at the family business underscore SPFancast. And if you're like me and you live on Tumblr, you can find all of our sister casts and the family business at snarkcast.tumblr.com. We are part of the Gumby Cat Networks, and you can find us there along with our sister podcasts, Collective Snark, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, and Once More with Feeling along with a lot of game, art and culture, books, TV, film, nerdy podcasts. Go to GumbyCatNetworks.com and check out some of these. One of the ones I kind of find interesting is called Majidei, and it is just all about Japanese media and culture. One of the things with Missouri, and I want to kind of get back to that, is her interaction with Sam. And Missouri obviously knows that there's a lot more going on with Sam. Not only because, of course, of her powers, but she's more observant. And it's to the point, too, where, like, at the beginning of the episode, Sam doesn't want to tell Dean what's going on because, obviously, Dean doesn't quite get it. And Dean, you know, kind of pokes the fun at it and everything. But she talks to him, and one of the things that she says to him is, Real evil came to you. I think that she realizes that is what the mark is on him and that's why mm -hmm. he's having these things is because of the evil that touched him at such a young age. With that in mind and talking about how we did before the break with John, surely she's told John about this. Surely she has told him that, you know, Sam's got this thing, he's got this mark, he's got this touch, whatever the case may be. I think that that's another dick move on John's part is not going to Sam and trying to help him deal with these things and process mm -hmm. it and everything. What do you guys think about that? What do you think about Sam's powers? When he mentions um, the dream that he's had and how he had the dream about Jess's death, mm -hmm. that's the secret that he was holding back from Dean and Bloody Mary. Right. And I thought that he kind of slipped that secret out there without Dean realizing that's what he was telling him was kind of a, a really intense moment because right. Dean's kind of brushing it off like, all right, well, whatever, it's a dream. And Sam is kind of like, this is a, this is, this is a thing that I was telling you. Right. So I think it wasn't that surprising to see kind of a similar reaction from Dad. Yeah. Because Dean and Dad are so much alike. And I can see that, too. I think part of Mary's scene at the end, I think that that is part of the reason why she apologizes to Sam whenever she says, I'm sorry, is because she knows. And I, th I think we touched on this before we even started the podcast with what you had said, Donna, mm -hmm. in that she is sorry for what he has gone through and what he's going to go through. Mm -hmm. So yeah. do you want to expound on that a little bit more? Not without being spoilery. 
Can you do it within the context of this well, episode? I mean, it's just pretty clear even in this episode that Mary is focusing her I'm sorry on Sam. And now what she says, she does not say, Mary doesn't speak a lot. She looks at Dean and she says his name. Right. She looks at Sam. She says his name. She walks past Dean to Sam and says, I'm sorry. Then she turns around and says, get out of my house. Yeah, get out of my house and let go of my son. Or my child. One yeah, of the two. yeah, that's right, because it had a hold of Sam at that, yes. at that point. So clearly she felt like she had a need to apologize to Sam, but she didn't feel she had a need to apologize to Dean. So that, of course, raises questions. I was going to say, we know the answer. Right. <laughs> but we're not going to say it because it's a spoiler. The fact that, like you mentioned, that Mary walks right past Dean. We see a lot of repetitiveness with the episodes. Yes. There was a blonde woman that looked just like Mary and Jess. Almost in every episode, there's one or the other of the brothers can relate to another character on the show. Whether it be they physically look similar or they just relate to them on a personal level. In, in this episode, you see pictures of young Dean. He looks a little bit like the little boy Richie. Yeah. Uh, similar haircut and stuff. But one of the themes that we see a lot is that parent and child kind of, it's not really like a, a battle between them, but you definitely see Sam has problems with dad, Dean has problems with mom, and if not necessarily with mom, so much right. as with the situation surrounding mother's mom's death. Right. And to see her walk right past Dean, and that's clearly one of his weaker points. That's the weaker yeah, that parental had, relationship. That, that was like, yeah. oh man. The other thing, speaking of connections, is I think that Sam, while he may not have realized it, Sam got a little bit of a feel for Dean's role in the family and in their relationship in that he learns that Dean was the one who carried him out of the house. Mm -hmm. And whenever Sam goes back in to get the kids, he takes them close to the exit and he tells the little girl, take your brother and run. And don't look back. And don't look back. And that's exactly what John told Dean to do with Sam. Mm -hmm. And so they have that connection there, whether they realize it or not, mm -hmm. where they are similar, Sam and John, Sam and Dean. I think that there was a lot of family dynamic that we got mm -hmm. during mm -hmm. this entire episode. Surprise, surprise, they were in their childhood home. Yes. <laughs> would have thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Donna, anything on the female aspect of the episode that you want to... Touch on? Yeah, actually, I, I do. I really like what they did with the mom. Her name is Jenny. Yes. And she was a pretty woman. Jenny mm -hmm. was a pretty woman. She was blonde. You know, she was skinny. She was, she was a pretty woman. But they did not have her sexualized. Uh, mm -hmm. Her hair was a mess. She was wearing clothes that looked like they might very well have been picked up off the bedroom floor that morning. She was clearly frazzled. She was kind of self-deprecating. She was a real character. Mm -hmm. I don't mean, oh, what a real character. I mean, she was a fully fleshed out character and not sexualized, and I really appreciate that. I was doing a little reading, and I have heard some accusations of Missouri being an example of a trope, and I did not name this trope, so yes. forgive me for what I'm about to say, right. but the trope is the magical Negro. Uh, it's a term that was coined by Spike Lee, or popularized by Spike Lee. I don't know if he coined it. I don't really think Magical Negro applies to Missouri because basically the Magical Negro kind of just gives selflessly of themselves to benefit, and I don't feel like that's what she was doing. No. And the thing is, is that, I mean, she could have lost her life. Like, in, in the basement, I mean, the poltergeist yeah. attacked her, yeah. but she was doing what she felt needed to be done mm -hmm. for everybody. I knew 
where you were going to go with yeah. that trope, and, and I, I can see how the correlation and that parallel could be drawn, but I, I like you, I don't agree with it. I think that she mm-hmm. she's a full character herself, yeah, she is. and like I've said, I love her character, and I've been looking forward to seeing her again. <laughs> but I will say this, I'm super white, and I feel a little uncomfortable right. making a pronouncement about whether or not something is a good portrayal of a black character, so if you have a different opinion... We just gave you our Twitter address. Feel free to uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of wanted to point something out about Jenny's character. Right here, you know, you're saying she's a she's got depth to her. And there's a, a scene where she's in bed reading a magazine, and I really expected it to be like women's choice or something like that. And then you know, one of those those magazines that tells you how to be skinny and how to get how to get your man to to love you in bed and like all these things. But it was a parenting magazine, and I thought that was really cute. Also, you could tell from the beginning when she's going through photos, you can tell something bad has happened, but they never really tell you what it was. See, and, and so it's either like divorce or the guy died or what. But yeah, I, I noticed that too, that, that we really didn't touch on what had happened. Yeah, and I don't think we needed to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Although I'm still curious. Yes, I am curious. I'm absolutely curious about I what it was. I can tell you I don't tend to keep a lot of pictures of men who have left me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> I don't like torturing myself. Anything else that you guys can think of What's that... that? It's just burning a hole in your brain that you just want to share with our audience today. A little, I forget what they call it, but it's where something is in one scene and it doesn't translate to the next. Continuity error? Yes. Sam uh, is almost choked into unconsciousness by this lamp, and then through the rest of the episode, there's like snow bruises on his neck. Oh. There's, there's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> well, you know, it was a poltergeist, so maybe, <laughs> so maybe they just magically disappear right, or something. Right. I don't know. Now, the other thing I would say is they they refer to John's journal says, I went to Missouri and learned the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she, at another point, says that she pulled back the curtains, which is another hint that John was not a hunter. Mm -hmm. Yes. Prior to this happening. Yeah. So they say the first line in Dad's journal was, I went to Missouri and I learned the truth. Mm -hmm. Well, then whenever we see she goes back home and everything, and she says, you know, she's talking about how, you know, for all of Sam's abilities or whatever, the fact that he didn't realize his dad was actually there. And she tells John, hey, you should go see your kids. And John says, well, I can't see them until I learn the truth. And so... It wasn't until they learned the truth. I, maybe... It wasn't until I learned the truth. Yeah. So, okay. so I don't know if... I, I think that it was like... There are two different truths to this. Mm-hmm. There's what Missouri has already shown him, which is the world of monsters and the supernatural and everything. And then there's the truth about what it was that killed Mary mm-hmm. and, and subsequently Jess and everything. But I thought that that was interesting. And I, going back just a little bit to what Missouri said about Sam's not detecting John, I'm not convinced 100% that he didn't know that John was there. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong, and it could just be me and my wishful thinking Expound and everything. this a little more. Mm-hmm. Well, just with the fact that whenever the poltergeist was allegedly dispelled from the home, but Sam still had that feeling that something wasn't right in the right. house. So I got the feeling that maybe there was him holding back a little bit from other things as well. 
And I think it may be, too, the fact that he doesn't want other people to know exactly how powerful this thing is Mm -hmm. yet. And obviously it's still growing, it's still forming itself and everything, but I'm not 100% convinced that he didn't know that John was there. Okay. So, and it could just be like a headcanon thing, (laughs) I don't know, but I just, I'm not thoroughly convinced. Okay. And I can't remember if that plays out in future episodes or not. So. It's been so long since I've seen some of these. I mean, yeah. I, I know the overall story. Right. And I love seeing those little foreshadows and hints. Yes. But I can't remember. Like we were talking about one of the next episodes coming up is Scarecrow, and I can remember that makes me go, ooh. Yes. But I can't really remember why. Oh, I do. (laughs) And I'll gladly discuss it whenever we're talking about that episode in a few weeks. All right, guys. Well, we are nearing the end of our time. Anything else that's just burning a hole in your brain? Was there a Dean says I love you moment? Because I could kind of maybe see it when Dean tells Sam about how Dean was the one that carried Sam out of the house. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That seems more of like a memory lane kind of thing rather than an I love you kind of thing. I'm going to say something. Go for it. Even though Sam didn't realize it, Dean going away to make that phone call was protecting Sam. Dean wants to be strong for Sam. Right. And he didn't want Sam to see him being vulnerable and weak. Well, and I think, too, it comes in whenever Sam tries to gloss over how it is that he knows that they need to go back to Lawrence. Even though Dean, you know, kind of makes light of it or jokes about it or whatever, especially in the next episode, and we'll talk about that next week, he still wants Sam to talk about it. Yeah. And he still gives him that avenue to be Mm -hmm. able to discuss these things. And I think that that's definitely something that connects them again. But it also, because of Sam's reticence to talk about it, it also, I think, is the first step toward the dynamic that gets set up with them in protecting each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not really much of a spoiler, but but we do start eventually getting yeah. into that dynamic where, well, I got to keep this a secret because it'll hurt Dean, or I got to keep this a secret because it'll hurt Sam, mm-hmm. or or whatever the case may be. And so I think we started really early with they, that. they do, again, not much of a spoiler, they do start with Dean being very paternal with Sam. Yes. And they do evolve into more of a... Actually, I don't even want to say a relationship of equals, but so much as a relationship where they're protecting each other, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I will say that we are going to go ahead and sign off for today. If you will, come back and join us next week when we will be discussing the super creepy, in my opinion episode 10 entitled Asylum. So until then guys, carry on. Jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.